Paris, the city of lights, a place known for its beauty, its romance, its art. But only 100 feet below this bustling metropolis are hundreds and hundreds of miles of a mass grave, holding the scattered remains of more than six million Parisians, some who perished more than a thousand years ago. This labyrinth of the dead winds its way under the city for more than 300 miles, some levels as deep as seven stories below the Paris streets, and is known simply as the Catacombs. Romantic, magical Paris, a city built on a tomb. July 2017. Two adventurous teenage boys enter the labyrinthine mausoleum of the catacombs. They think it'll be fun, exciting. They explore the curving tunnels, marvel at the ancient skeletons. They try to scare each other as they wind deeper into the dark labyrinth. They feel the rush of entering a forbidden place, the promise of the secret sealed within. Then there's that chance to commune with the dead. These same reasons draw many explorers deep into the unofficial, unmapped miles of the tombs. But the catacombs are no place for the inexperienced to wander alone. And the boys soon pay the price for plunging into the catacombs. They get lost. With nothing to guide their search for an exit from the catacombs, the boys wander the tunnels helplessly, lost in a maze. No cell service. No one can hear them yell. Their cheap flashlight batteries slowly die. The boys watch in despair as their flashlights dim, 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 and go out. They brought no water. No food, nothing to keep them warm, nothing but the endless darkness surrounding them. They spend the next harrowing days alone in the darkness of the winding tunnels. There's no more point in trying to scare each other. They're scared enough. For days, search teams scour the tunnels looking for the boys. Their parents grow more and more hopeless by the hour. The catacombs are rife with stories of disappearances, of the living meeting their end among the bones of the dead. These boys could easily be next. But the search teams refuse to give up. They return day after day, hour after hour, using all the resources at their disposal. Finally, after 72 brutal hours, the two boys are found dehydrated, freezing, but alive. They're rushed to the hospital to be treated for hypothermia. But the boys, terrified of something, refuse to speak about their experience in the catacombs. The only official comment the Parisian authorities offer is simply, it was thanks to the dogs that we found them. Why won't the boys talk? Who or what? Did they encounter trapped in darkness for so long? 
what secrets lie amongst the innumerable miles of the catacombs, among the millions who rest in its halls? Or perhaps we should be asking, what in this maze of death refuses to rest at all? Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every other Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey through the Paris catacombs, an underground tomb that spans hundreds of miles. To this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough haunted places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Oh, and uh, while you're there, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. It seems small, but it really helps our show. For a hundred years, the catacombs have served as a ghoulish attraction for the living. Today, only two miles of the catacombs are open to the public. The rest have been sealed off, locked up, and welded shut. This is, of course, to keep people out. But we have to wonder, is it also to keep something in? For hundreds of years, the Catholic country of France buried their dead in the consecrated grounds of church cemeteries until the well-established practice took a terrible turn. By the year 1400, the cemeteries of Paris were filled to the brim and many of the largest graveyards were converted from individual plots to mass burial pits. This crude system of burials would endure in France for the next 350 years. Legend has it, burials had become so problematic that the Parisians rested the dead in their coffins only for the duration of a funeral, after which a trapdoor opened from the bottom and the dead were dropped into a waiting pit below. Other stories tell of gravediggers, dismembering cadavers and sending only the torsos into the pit below, making room for more burials. The resulting pile of arms and legs were burned until only bones remained to be buried in the dirt. These pits could hold up to 1,500 bodies. Not enough. In 1418, a devastating recurrence of the bubonic plague deposited more than 50,000 diseased corpses into Paris' cemeteries over only a five-week period. And the ongoing massacre of the Hundred Years' War continued to add untold numbers more. When the pits became too full, gravediggers emptied the graves of their bones, depositing them into long buildings erected on the borders of the cemeteries making more room for the freshly dead to lay below the ground until it was their turn to be dug up and tossed aside. These practices continued for centuries until the air of Paris became so putrid that nothing could alleviate the stench that gripped the air for miles around the city. 
the most egregious of the overstuffed cemeteries, was Les Innocents, the Holy Innocents, in the Léal district of Paris. For 800 years, Léal was the hub of all food distribution and commerce in Paris, a bustling merchant center that sold food and wares during the day and served as a general meeting point for the citizens of Paris by night. But by 1700, the area was so polluted by the bodies rotting in the nearby cemeteries that the dead were no longer decomposing in its soil. The ground was so damaged from the decomposing bodies that people reported falling into open graves. Water became contaminated. Diseases spread. Inspectors recorded local stories of meat that rotted before one's eyes. A perfumery unable to sell its wares because of the overpowering smell of the cemetery. Tapestry merchants, whose wares changed color if exposed for long periods of time in Leal. And wine merchants, whose barrels yielded only vinegar if they stayed in the cellar too long. Leal devolved into a mess of disease, complaints, and foul smells. It was as if the entire neighborhood had become a grave. And the living were only biding their time before they became the latest coffinless corpse fouling up the air. In the spring of 1780, a local soap merchant in Leal struggled through a long rainy day selling his wares from a stall attached to the Holy Innocent Cemetery. The rain hadn't stopped in months. The ground beneath his feet nothing but mud and water. The soap merchant went about his day as best he could, until suddenly he heard a horrible sound from behind him. The wall he shared with the bone depository of the cemetery caved in. The merchant watched in horror as the wall crumbled away, spilling decomposing bodies and muddy bones into his shop. Leal was chaos. Shopkeepers and citizens raced from the ghastly scene, hoping to avoid the putrid onslaught. Like something from a horror movie, suddenly the area was littered with body parts, infected mud, and the skulls of the dead. The merchant's shop, full of soap, would never feel clean again. Something had to be done. The solution was a system of underground tunnels, deep beneath the streets of Paris, mines dug by the Romans to extract milky white limestone from beneath the city. The tunnels, the origin of the building materials for such iconic buildings as the Pantheon, the Louvre, and Notre Dame, were to be transformed into an ossuary, a receptacle for bones, to house the dead long-suffering in Paris's overstuffed cemeteries. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story. Under the cover of night, a procession of chanting priests walked the winding streets of Paris in a ghoulish pageant of death. Behind these clergymen, a line of black-covered, horse-drawn carts piled high with the bones of the dead. As the clergy led the carts through the city, they prayed, hoping to quiet the angry dead. You'd be angry, too, if you were pulled from your eternal resting place. 
But was it possible to assuage the thousands upon thousands of deceased souls ripped from the ground? These processions became a grim nightly ritual. Beginning in 1786, gravediggers emptied the mass pits of cemeteries, dumping them onto the priests' carts. The priests could only hope and pray as they carted these bones along. The grim parade made its stop at the entrance to the Roman mines, now consecrated into holy ground. At the entrance, the architects posted a warning. Arrête, c'est ici l'Empire de la Mort. Stop. This is the Empire of the Dead. This caution rings true. The tunnels were to serve as a final resting place for Paris's innumerable dead. For two full years, millions upon millions of bones were pulled from the depths of Paris's cemeteries, ripped from their resting places, dirt dusted from their remains. The bodies were carelessly tossed underground, out of sight, out of mind, from the Parisians above. Imagine walking alone in utter darkness, just your hand, your only guide, as it drifts along a cold wall. Your mouth dries from dehydration. Your throat and lungs burn from the rank air and the countless hours of screaming for help. Your feet blister. Your legs soar to the point of exhaustion. Nothing around you but solid darkness and cold, damp walls in every direction as bones crunch under your feet. Somewhere along the line, it hits you. You are not getting out. That is the fate of those souls unlucky enough to become lost in the catacombs. The dangers of the catacombs are numerous and far-reaching. Aside from the physical trappings of the tunnels, the magnitude of spirits resting there unknowable by the living. This bone-chilling environment of secrets, of crimes of history, of desecrated bodies trapped for eternity beneath the ground, this is not a place to toy with. The vastness of the tombs hold untold secrets. The history of Paris is littered with rebellions, war, religious unrest, plagues, accusations of witchcraft, murder. How many stories of despair and horror are represented by the six million dead now lying quietly beneath the bustling city streets? And if you dare to traverse this empire of the dead, if you take the risk to travel deep into this unmapped labyrinth of ancient tunnels, you might get lost in it forever. The first record we have of a man who succumbed to this horrible death was Philibert Asper, the doorkeeper of the Val de Grasse hospital during the French Revolution. The question of what happened to Philibert has confounded explorers for centuries. Did he simply lose the light of his candle? Stumble from too much drink and hit his head? Or was it something more sinister, more deliberate? For centuries, reports of disembodied voices have surfaced from the catacombs. Voices that try to lure adventurers farther into the tunnels, encouraging them to lose their way, 
and suffer a slow and agonizing death. Are these angry spirits resentful of the living for their breath and light? Are they lonely ones, relegated to eternity deep below Paris, where no one can ever acknowledge them, eager to bring more companions to their ranks? Or are the ghosts of people who want nothing more than destruction, murderers, thieves from centuries ago, or perhaps victims of the French Revolution, beheaded by guillotine under the watchful eye of Maximilien Robespierre, the architect of France's reign of terror, who also just happens to be buried in the catacombs. Perhaps the most terrifying thought is that all of these are possibilities, and more. Millions upon millions of souls rest in this dizzying maze. It's easy to imagine these restless spirits traversing the tunnels for miles and miles, looking for their scattered bones. And just like the streets above, you never know who you might come across. In 1793, only five years after the cemeteries of Paris were emptied into the catacombs, Philibert Asper, our hapless doorkeeper, decided to go into the ossuary, looking for a famous chartreuse liquor he believed was stocked in one of the tunnels. But fate was not on Philibert's side that lonely night. Legend has it that Philibert entered the catacombs with only a single candle. You can imagine this lifelong Parisian planned for only a short trip. A quick jaunt through a passageway to a location he knew well from above. But the catacombs can easily confuse the most seasoned travelers. The catacombs sit on an average depth of 20 yards below the surface. That far below the ground, there is no light. At all. Should you be so unlucky as to lose your light when you're down there, that's it. There is no backup option. That's exactly what happened to Philibert. He may have stumbled, a little drunk, dropping his candle into puddles of water at his feet, maybe accidentally letting his candle blow out. But more than likely, Philibert got lost. The twists and turns of the catacombs can keep you moving through their maze for hours and hours, losing all sense of direction, all sense of time. Wandering through the dark, dank catacombs, the hours stretching behind him, Philibert watching helplessly as the wax of his candle burned down, 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 until finally... Can you try to imagine what ran through Philibert's mind after he ran out of light? Days passed, maybe weeks, of no light, no sound, as Philibert tried desperately to wind his way back out of the catacombs. Imagine his terror as the piles of bones crunched beneath his feet. A good Catholic, like most Parisians of the time, Philibert would have been horrified at any inadvertent desecration of the dead. How many voices must Philibert have heard in his harrowing last days? Lost in darkness, the mind can play tricks, create sounds that don't exist, trying to trick the brain into feeling less desperately alone. 
But Philibert wasn't alone. Philibert was surrounded by millions. We don't know how long Philibert spent wandering in the galleries of the tombs, feeling for a way out. He didn't eat. He did not sleep. Finally, exhausted by the fear of angering the vengeful souls, Philibert lost his strength and collapsed. Lost among the tunnels and bones beneath Paris, Philibert died alone. His body was lost for the next 11 years. When he was finally found, reduced to a skeleton, he was identified by his ring of keys, those that unlocked the doors of the hospital he was supposed to watch, still grasped in his hand. But the most disturbing part of all, Philibert died only meters from an exit out of the catacombs. Was it simply bad luck that kept Philibert from turning down that next passage, from finding his way back to the world of the living? Or was it something else? Something sinister? Something eager to keep the living down amongst the dead? Today, Philibert is known as a patron saint of the urban explorers who traverse the bowels of the catacombs, a spirit to protect other travelers from whatever nefarious entities sought to do Philibert harm. There's no telling how many travelers Philibert saved from his own terrible fate. It would be another 200 years before we discovered a man Philibert was entirely unable to protect. Our story will continue in a moment, right after the break. Now, the story continues. Over the next two centuries, the catacombs went through nearly as many changes as the city that rests on it. In 1789, riots broke out in the streets of Paris, the first sparks of the revolution that would grip the country for the next decade. Those who perished in the riots were interred in the catacombs. As nearly 3,000 people were executed in Paris, and untold numbers more throughout the rest of the country, the number of bodies laid to rest in the catacombs grew and grew. Only with the death of Robespierre did the massacres end. As his own beheaded body was buried deep in the catacombs, trapping thousands of those who perished in the revolution with their murderer forever in this endless tomb. At the same time, the ossuary's latest architect, Aricard de Turi, oversaw renovations that would transform a small, government-curated section of the catacombs into a visitable, ghoulish underground chamber. Using cemetery decorations and tombstones to complement the walls, Aricard directed the arrangement of skulls and femurs into romantically macabre artistic patterns. Two miles of the catacombs were turned into a museum for the public. Some bones are set, curved into elegant circles. Others are stacked into cylindrical barrels, while others simply line the walls of the tombs, organized, lined up, so the skulls of the dead stare right at you. But beyond these curated exhibits, the bulk of the catacombs remain as they were at the time of their inception, 
Piles of discarded bones hidden behind walls, bodies mixed together, forever forgotten in desecrated heaps, stretched for hundreds of miles. It's deep in these tunnels, away from the reverence of the curated mausoleums, that the dangers lie. You can trip over the rocks and bones that jut out from the ground, fall to the floor, twisting ankles, or breaking your bones. You get stuck or hit by small landslides of rock and mud sliding down from the damp walls, struck by rubble and debris. Deep in the catacombs, some areas are so small you must crawl through them. One moment of bad luck and you can hit your head, fall unconscious to the ground below. Walls can collapse around you. Many of the tunnels of the catacombs have simply caved in over the years. These events happen without warning. And if you're unlucky enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, you might find yourself buried under stone, along with those who have rested in the catacombs for centuries. You stumble and fall into an opening beneath your feet, wells of water forming under the soft limestone ground some so deep you can drown in them. You don't find an exit. The catacombs are largely unmapped, and the guides local travelers do have are ever-changing. As authorities continue to seal manhole covers, holes in the ground, the most common ways in and out of the catacombs. It's not uncommon to find three, four, five sealed entrances as you wind your way through the tombs, looking for a way out. It's even possible that the entrance you come in from could be sealed while you're still inside. You can be 10 feet from freedom and unable to get out. But all that pales in comparison to the psychological torments the catacombs can inflict on the unsuspecting mind. As the most perilous danger of the tunnels grips you, the danger of getting lost. The explorers of the catacombs are commonly referred to as catafil, intrepid Parisians who traverse the tunnels. Some catafil go for inspiration, to paint the walls of the catacombs or build sculptures to honor the dead, adding to the mystery and ambiance of the tunnels. Some go for parties, to revel and drink and dance in the forbidden halls of the tunnels but must go for the thrill of exploring deeper and deeper into the tunnels, hoping to find a corner untouched since the 18th century. And it's those travelers who are most at risk of losing their minds. Lost in the subterranean tombs, you lose all notion of time and space. One hour feels like 10 minutes or three days. You're so deep underground that screams don't carry, the sound absorbed into the thick limestone walls. There's nothing to comfort you, nothing to give you hope as the darkness envelops you, as you continue to claw your way around, searching for a way out, searching for an escape from death. Deep down this complex labyrinth, the souls of the discarded wander forever, searching for their scattered bones. Is it any wonder they feel hostile toward the living? 
intact, full of life, as the living invade the dead subterranean prison. While we hope the intrepid spirit of Philibera Spare continues to protect those who dare brave the catacombs, sometimes Paris explorers aren't so lucky. And in 1993, we got a horrifying glimpse of what happens to the living when Philibert fails his eternal mission. It was the discovery of an abandoned camcorder, deep in the bowels of the catacombs, that gave us the clearest picture of what death in the catacombs feels like. This is the story of the lost man. From what we can gather, this abandoned camcorder was lost in the early 1990s, found years later by a group of catafil, exploring an area in the catacombs long untouched. The camera was caked with dust and mold, but still intact. And on it, something terrifying and tragic. This disturbing video has been the source of speculation, controversy, and more than a few nightmares for more than 20 years. The camcorder was discovered 322 feet below the ground in one of the deepest parts of the catacombs. But the body of the man who used it was never found. So what's on the tape? What secrets of the catacombs did it reveal that the average accounts of Catafiel never have? The tape shows a long point of view shot the man holding the camera used it to film what he sees as he explores the tunnels, a second set of eyes. The man's only source of light comes directly from the camera, from a light affixed to the top. He uses it to illuminate the walls as he explores deeper and deeper into the labyrinthine maze. The tape continues, presenting images of bones, thousands and thousands of bones, Bones piled haplessly in heaps. No art or reverence here. Bones that were never meant to be found. Amid the bones, the lost man reaches a hand into frame. He picks up pieces of skulls, arms, legs, examining bones as the shards of other remains crunch under his feet. We can't imagine the dead were happy with this. The man walks and walks his light washing over the limestone walls, the dark ground. Then the man stops. The camera pans down. On the ground in front of him, four bones arranged in the shape of an arrow point him forward. Towards what? As the man continues, he becomes disoriented. The camera moves erratically, his movements jerky, irregular. He starts and stops turning every which way. He seems to become increasingly confused as he moves through the passageways of crumbling stone and human bones, illuminated only by the camera's light. With each new turn of the subterranean labyrinth, it's soon apparent the man has no idea where he is or how he's going to get back to the surface. His light landing on an eerie marking, a white stick figure of a man, arms and legs outstretched, as if he were reaching for something. And then the man starts to run. He runs faster and faster, deeper and deeper into the catacombs, his camera swinging wildly. His breath quickens. The camera shakes every time the man looks over his shoulder, 
he keeps looking back over his shoulder. He's running from something. Something that's terrified him to his very core. Then all of a sudden, he drops the camera into a puddle of dirty water. The camera goes still, lying on its side, pointed down a dark tunnel. It's quiet for a moment, until suddenly the man races past the camera, running as fast as he can, away from the light and into the darkness, running to certain death. The camera keeps rolling and rolling, We can only see as far as the light attached to it, the only light the lost man had. And from the tilted angle of the camera on the side, watch as the camera keeps going until it runs out of tape. For hours, the camera shows nothing but the now steady water. The light pointed down the dark tunnel that the lost man disappeared into. As the time passes, we strain to see what the lost man must have seen, the thing that terrified him, quite literally, to his death. But all we see is nothing. People have searched for the lost man for years, hiking for miles in the tunnels, descending stories below ground, looking for his remains for hours, days. With no exits in sight on the lost man's path, there's little chance he was able to escape, especially because he was without his light, lost in the darkness. Why have the remains of the lost man eluded all those who have looked for them? For 20 years, his disappearance has remained a total mystery. In 2000, a documentary crew led by filmmaker Francis Friedland descended into the catacombs to retrace the lost man's steps using the visual markers on the camcorder's footage. The bone arrow, the outstretched man, the piles of bones. The crew, accompanied by one of Paris's most experienced catafiles, hiked and hiked, looking for the skeleton of the lost man. After over eight hours in the catacombs, the documentary crew found the spot from the lost man's video. The pictography of the man with the outstretched hands is overlooking a pile of loose bones, a pile that seemed to be several feet deep. There's no telling how many dead souls are interned in that forgotten corner of the catacombs. But the lost man was nowhere to be found. The documentary crew kept searching, looking for the turns the lost man might have taken after dropping his camera, his light, and racing off into the distant darkness, they found nothing, nothing at all. A closer look at the man's tape reveals an even more sinister story to his disappearance. It's well known amongst paranormal investigators that recordings can sometimes pick up otherworldly sounds that we might not be able to hear with the naked ear. The voices of the dead have been caught on digital voice recorders, cell phones, and yes, even camcorders. A digital enhancement of the lost man footage reveals mysterious sounds that can't be explained away by wind or ambient noise, neither of which exist in the catacombs. What are these sounds? The last our unnamed traveler must have heard. Are they the voices of the dead? 
whispering to a man, luring him deeper and deeper into the catacombs? Is that what caused the lost man to lose his mind? To make a seasoned explorer suddenly panic, drop his only apparent light source, and run frantically into complete darkness, ensuring he would never be found alive again? Perhaps the dead were intoxicated by the injection of life into their long-forgotten corridor. Perhaps they were angry at being disturbed by this lone explorer. Or perhaps it's worse than that. Perhaps it's more sinister. Perhaps the sound on the tape, the arrow, the bones, the markings on the wall, perhaps these are clues to the core of terror of the catacombs. Perhaps the lost man stumbled upon something he was never supposed to see. Something that even Philibert Asper, the guardian of the catafile, couldn't even protect the lost man from. Something no human has ever seen and survived. The ultimate secret of the catacombs. It's a rumor that's passed only in whisper from catafile to catafile. A secret so sinister, so dark, you dare even speak of it aloud. But all the travelers that toil amongst the dead who spend hours, days in the catacombs, believe if you traverse far enough, deep enough into the bowels of the labyrinthine beneath the streets of Paris, you'll find the entrance to the gates of hell. The remains of Lost Man have never been recovered, and likely never will. For all we know, he did cross that threshold no living soul was ever meant to cross. And that leads us to wonder, did Philibera Spare also see the entrance to the netherworld? Unlike the Lost Man, was Philibert able to save himself? Is that why his remains were eventually uncovered and the Lost Man's were not? Perhaps that is why Philibert's spirit remains in the catacombs, to keep other travelers away from the fate he once escaped. To protect generations of explorers from nefarious entities that seek to pull them deeper into this maze of the dead, Philibert's ghost is the last line of defense between the living and the doors to hell. Is that who saved the two young men lost in the catacombs so recently as 2017? We can only hope benevolent spirits like Philibert will continue to haunt the catacombs, protecting those whose curiosities continue to pull them into the tunnels under Paris. Because all we'll ever know for certain about the catacombs is that the innumerable mysteries they hold will remain forever unknowable. And perhaps, for our sake, they should. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. 
A new episode comes out every other Thursday. We'll see you next time. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by J.C. Heldrich. I'm Greg Polson.